0: Thank you. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 10 for the morning. Luke chapter 10. Okay. As we begin to look at the Word, let's begin with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before Thee mindful that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And that inspired Word was given for a purpose, that we, as the children of God, as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, may be thoroughly equipped to serve You, Give us wisdom in this hour. We'd ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 10, the Lord Jesus Christ was preparing to send out his disciples on a ministry tour. And he admonishes them in anticipation of their own work to pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up laborers for his harvest field. I want to share a few pictures uh, with you. You probably will recognize these faces. The, uh, the young people will recognize that one. Uh, we've just seen Pastor Ben uh, up on the, uh, the uh, auditorium platform. I would ask you, uh, what do these five men share in common? Maybe some of the young people uh, saw those slides and said, they all have nice smiles. Well, most of you uh, immediately go to the fact that, well, those men uh, are the pastors of our church, and that is certainly true. But I would like to uh, mention one other thing that they share, and that is that they have a relationship to Virginia Beach Theological Seminary. I'm going to challenge you this morning in the matter of prayer. And obviously, as we pray, the Lord of the harvest, that he raise up laborers for his harvest field, we can take that general command and particularize it in our situation. I'm going to admonish you to pray for the seminary this morning. Remember the seminary in prayer. Certainly, we can go through the motions of having classes, but if that is all that we do, we failed. We can go through the motions of granting degrees to men and women that come across this platform on the day when we have graduation, but if that's all we do, we fail. Unless we prepare men and women who have a heart To love the Lord their God with all that is in them. Have a heart to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless they're prepared to be servants of Christ. We've failed in our task. And so we need not simply the academic side of the seminary. We need the spiritual side of life in the seminary. And part of that comes in being parked here in fellowship with Colonial Baptist Church. Pastor Brent mentioned that uh, I was part of the original faculty, have been here for 27 years, and I, I thank the Lord for that opportunity to serve. One of the reasons that I've found joy in participating for 27 years in the life of the seminary is the fact that it's parked here at Colonial Baptist Church And this is a marvelous place to worship God. Years ago, I read a book on the Christian life written by Henry Blackburn. And one of the admonitions that came out of the book was this. Look around yourself and see where God is at work and go join him. And that's exactly what I've done as I've been a member at Colonial Baptist Church and part of the faculty at VBTS. In your bulletin this morning, as was already mentioned, there's a list of names to pray. It struck me as the list of missionaries is given. There are 10 of them there, but I want to assure you, there are numerous graduates of the seminary. I think of some in India, I think of some that have been in China. I think of some uh, that are in Malta. I think of uh, two graduates that are in Spain that are unnamed there. They're not part of our missionary staff, but they've received their theological training here at VBTS, and they've gone out following the Lord Jesus Christ to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in various parts of the world. VBTS as graduates scattered around the world, graduates scattered around the states in the United States, graduates scattered around Hampton Roads, and obviously some of those graduates are ministering here at Colonial Baptist Church. And we're excited about that fact. I have often described the seminary as a handmaiden to the local church. Our purpose as a seminary is to serve the local church. We're not to replace the local church. We're to be here as a servant to the local church. As the local churches endeavor to train disciples, some of it's done in the context of services like the equipped classes on Wednesday night. But then as disciples of Christ continue in the process of discipleship, some of them have moved to the point where they want to learn Greek and Hebrew so they can read the Bible in the original languages. They want to get deep in systematic theology. And the seminary is a place of service as a handmaiden to the local church for training disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. As such, I'm asking you, in relationship to Luke 10, 2. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up laborers for his harvest field. I would ask you that just as Jesus sent out disciples and insisted that they be prayed for, that we continue to pray for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look at this passage... The first thing that I would observe is that we have a command here. Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Now, for those that are seminary students, uh, they understand that this is a verbal imperative. For the young people, uh, perhaps, if you don't remember your English class, and I'll observe, that I learned more English grammar going through Greek and Hebrew classes than I learned uh, sitting in high school uh, classes. I had to correlate what those concepts meant. But here's an imperative. An imperative is a command. And the command is to pray. Obviously, Hampton Roads is a military uh, community in a very, uh, very real sense. I have sometimes jokingly suggested that I miss a credential for ministering in this area, and that missing credential is that I have no military service. I uh, thank each of you that have served our country, but as current or former uh, retired military people, I would ask you, do you understand what a command is? Can you imagine some sailor coming around the corner bumping into his captain, or some soldier uh, in that same situation bumping into uh, his captain, and he receives an order. And how does he respond? Does he say, well, captain, today I'm pretty busy. I'll put it on my to-do list, and I'll get around to it someday. Or does he say, well, let me think it over. I'm really not interested in uh, doing that project. Let me find something else to do. Or does he say, well, Captain, Captain, I'd love to help you, but I just don't have the time to do what you want. Now, for those of you that have been in the military, you know that each and every one of those suggested responses is absolutely absurd. As a sailor, or a soldier responding to your captain? The response was, yes, sir, I'll get to it immediately. Well, here we have a command not from a captain in the U.S. Navy or a captain in the U.S. Army or a captain in the Marine Corps, and I won't leave out the uh, Air Force, uh, uh, but we have a response A command that comes from the captain of the Lord of hosts, a commander of the Lord's army. We could go back to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua has led the people of Israel across the Jordan River, and uh, he's out scouting the area, and he sees a military man ahead of him. And he asks him, Are you here for us or for our enemies? And the response is, no, I'm here as the captain of the Lord of hosts. He's here as the commander of the armies of heaven. I would suggest to you that that was probably the pre-incarnate manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ preparing to give orders to Joshua 3,400 years ago. Well, that same person, the Lord Jesus Christ, addresses his disciples here with a command that is laid on their shoulders. And that command is to be disciples who are engaged in prayer. In Luke chapter 11... The disciples see the Lord Jesus Christ himself in prayer. And they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gives them what uh, we might well call the Lord's model prayer. Uh, It's the prayer for the disciples, and they can model Christ in their prayer life. But one of the things that is in that prayer request is this prayer. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we may not expect unsaved rulers to embrace doing the will of God. We may not expect societies of unsaved sinners to do the will of God. But we've been taught to pray, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And for us as disciples, that's something that we need to embrace. Now I'd ask you this How is God's will done in heaven? How do the angels respond when the Almighty gives them an order? I'll suggest to you that there are at least two aspects to their response. One is that his will is done immediately. Lord, we will do your will. Secondly, I'd suggest to you that his will is done eagerly. They joyfully embrace the opportunity to serve their creator. Now, if we are going to do as the angels in heaven do, and God's will is to be done in our lives as it is in heaven, do we respond to his commands eagerly and immediately? We've got a command here. Pray. And I want to challenge you as a congregation. You no doubt have prayed in the past. And I encourage you to continue to pray Pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up laborers. And as you pray for that, think specifically of the needs for central... Uh, boy, I've been here for 27 years. We, uh, and as Pastor Brent said, uh, we, we uh, rebranded the seminary some years back. Uh, you know, the history behind that is, A, we were not central to uh, anything geographically in America. We'd had roots that reached the Central Baptist Seminary in Minneapolis, but we were not them. There were, at the time, there were four different seminaries in the country using the name Central Baptist Theological Seminary. And we'll just say it caused some confusion. Uh, there's no confusion when we talk about Virginia Beach Theological Seminary. Pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will raise up laborers for his harvest field. Pray for Virginia Beach Theological Seminary. We've seen the command. Now let's look at the content of that command. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up laborers, we're told here. Underlying that prayer request, or that prayer command, is the observation that the intention of these laborers is to push forward the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've already told, been told here by Luke that this is the very purpose that he appointed these seven to go out. He sent them out ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. These original preachers were sent out to push forward the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Push forward the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Push forward as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now as they engage as disciples, they're commanded to pray. That the Lord would raise up others who would push forward the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. We could turn to the book of James, and James gives us a whole series of admonitions on uh, prayer. Uh, One of the things that he reminds us in chapter 4 and verse 2 is that we pray, but we have not because we ask not. How about the cause of Christ in our community? The cause of Christ across our nation, and the cause of Christ... Throughout the world, are we lacking laborers because we, as disciples of Christ, simply are not engaged in prayer? You have not because you ask not. James also reminds us that if any man lack wisdom in the midst of his trials, he's supposed to ask of God. And God gives wisdom, he doesn't upbraid, he doesn't withhold but he gives liberally and without reproach. One of our primary recruiters for the seminary is our uh, president, Dr. Davy. I don't know how many times I've heard him remind a seminary a potential student, this will be one of the hardest things that you do in your life, but it'll also be one of the greatest things that you do. I I will observe, getting through seminary is not an easy uh, project for these young men and young women taking various degrees. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Pete. Uh, But it does have its rewards. Oftentimes, as I pray for the seminary students, I think of this matter of wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And so, I, I pray for the students that they will have wisdom. They're certainly going to need wisdom in, uh, in their seminary classes. After all, Dr. Daly and, and Dr. Uh, Hassler in Greek and Hebrew are, are hard taskmasters. Uh, the students are going to need wisdom for the academic side of their studies. But more than that, much more than that, they're going to need wisdom for the spiritual side of their studies. That is, it's not enough simply to learn the intellectual information. They need to bring it home to a changed heart, a changed relationship, a relationship that has been changed as they walk with God, and then as they minister among people. And so they need to correlate the truth that they're learning in their classes with their spiritual life. Pray for wisdom, that they can correlate truth with their personal life. And then fourthly, pray for them in terms of time management. Paul admonished the Ephesians to redeem the time because the days are evil. And uh, every student needs to redeem the time. I have my memories of those time crunches. And every student in the seminary has those time crunches. Imagine with me. uh, He's got hours of obligation in classroom and study. And he probably has a 40 hour job besides. And beside a job and studies, he's got a family. How do you juggle all of that? Well, you need to manage time. Uh, You need to be faithful in discipleship, in using your time in a way that honors the Lord. Pray for them in wisdom, in time management. Pray them for. Pray for them for wisdom in finances. The uh, Having been in the ministry for 50 years, I'll just say I have occasionally seen uh, that person who slips to the side because of financial mismanagement. I know, uh, for instance, of students that have left seminary simply because they weren't paying their bills, and they got into financial trouble, they had problems. I know of pastors that mismanaged finances in their churches, and they got into trouble. They need wisdom in handling their finances in such a way that they honor the Lord Jesus Christ in their discipleship. So pray for the students. Pray that the Lord will raise up laborers for his harvest field. There's a third element I want to mention, and that's the context for these prayers. Notice as we work our way through this passage, when we uh, get to verse 9, among the various things that they're going to be doing, the healing the sick, but this is the uh, foundational element. Say to them that the kingdom of God has come near to you. The context of this prayer is that we are engaged in kingdom ministry. Now, I believe in a literal return of the Lord Jesus Christ and the establishment of a literal kingdom. These disciples were disciples who were anticipating the establishment of the kingdom. They're going to find out that the king is going to go away, but he has promised to return again. And so just as they were disciples anticipating the return of the king and the establishment of the kingdom, we are disciples today anticipating the return of the king and the establishment of the kingdom. They were going out and proclaiming a message of Christ because Christ was king. And we are in exactly that same situation today. As Jesus is our king who has promised to return, we've got a gospel message to share with the world. We have a message that Jesus is king. More than that, that Jesus is savior. We've just celebrated Good Friday and Easter Sunday the horrible crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, as Pastor Seely reminded us on Good Friday, and then as Pastor Brent reminded us, that's not the end of the story. He rose from the dead. I can remember as a teenager, one of the... Uh, I kind of chuckled to myself. I was going to say one of the older ladies in the congregation. Well, when I was a teenager, uh, she might have been uh, 45. Uh, But at any rate, this dear lady made the observation that the resurrection was God's guarantee of our redemption. And I can remember... Obviously, it's stuck in my mind. I remember it because I puzzled over it. And I finally realized she was exactly right. Jesus Christ took my sin debt upon himself and died at the cross. If he did not fully pay for my sin, I'm still guilty before God. If he did not fully pay for my sin, He must stay dead because he took my debt upon himself. The fact that he rose from the dead affirms to us the fact that he has fully, completely, absolutely made the full payment for my sin debt. This one who is my loving savior is also my king. And my ministry is done in view of the fact that my king has promised to return again. In World War II, there was an incident that occurred in Budapest. A Swedish diplomat by the name of Raoul Wallenberg Began to exercise his di- diplomatic privileges by passing out certificates of immigration to Sweden to Jews who were being hunted down by the Nazis, enslaved, and executed. These people were going to die. And Rollenberg stepped in, and he began passing out these certificates of immigration so that these people could leave the country under the protection of the the neutrality of Sweden. One individual stepped in with a certificate that saved thousands of lives. I share that historical illustration for this purpose. I would suggest that you and I, as disciples of Christ today, are doing exactly the same. He that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Judgment waits those who step into eternity with no Savior. And here we are, as disciples of Christ, given a commission To pass out the gospel freely to those who are living under the shadow of death. To pass out a life-saving opportunity so that they may know the Savior. And they may have his divine eternal protection. As disciples of Christ, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew that the very act of giving a cup of cold water to someone to encourage them, because you were a disciple, you would not lose your reward. Such a simple thing, such a simple thing, to pass out a cup of cold water to someone who's thirsty. The point that he's making is not that we should simply be water carriers. The point that he's making is that every act of service that we do, God notes it, and he will reward us as disciples who are serving him. Now, here we are as disciples serving the Lord Jesus Christ with an ultimate goal to push forward the cause of Christ by sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ With a lost world around us, be assured, you will not lose your reward. We are disciples this morning who are waiting for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. In view of that fact, the fact that Jesus is coming again, I would ask you, What should be important to us? One of the things that should be important to us is prayer. We've been commanded to pray. We've been commanded to engage our Heavenly Father as we participate in His work in the act of prayer. As you pray that the Lord of the harvest raise up laborers for his harvest field, I would ask you to pray for Virginia Beach Theological Seminary. And if you like names to go with the faces, they're printed in the, uh, the bulletin. Seminary graduates that are serving in the cause of Christ around the world. Seminary staff that are serving here in Virginia Beach. Pray that the Lord of the harvest raises up laborers for his harvest field. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the privilege that we have to turn to your word. We thank you for the admonition from the word of God that we are to be men and women of prayer. Lord, may your will be done in our hearts and lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.